right, folks. Welcome to the Monsters Madness and Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now, in this episode, Daniel and myself chat with composer Kevin Shielder about the early days of video game composition, Raven Software, Heretic, Hexen, Star Wars, Synth, and much more. As always, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to help the show grow, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Also, a minor caveat here. If you do notice a little dip in the audio quality, well, number one, it's because I'm an idiot and I forgot to press the record button on the third party software I used to record as opposed to using the Zoom audio, which is naturally not that great. But anyway, overall, it sounds good and I've doctored it up, so... Everything's fine in the end. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. Boils and ghouls, this is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> We don't do anything fancy here. This is technically the interview, man, but <laughs> just so we have a platform to jump off of here. Take us back in time to when you were a youngster. You know, were you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all of the above? Jeez, all of the above, definitely. I, I grew up in a good time, you know, where, where kids were doing all kinds of, like, cool, creative things, you know. We didn't have a lot of technology out there or anything, so we had to make our own fun. I loved reading when I was a kid. My first reading favorites were, like, the little little Peanuts books. Charlie Brown and stuff like that. I got a big collection of those up there. I'm like hoping I'll just hold on to them and they'll be worth a fortune someday or something. But did all that stuff, adventure outside, loved that, loved adventure books and things like that. What um, a decade was this? Sorry to interrupt, but like what time period are we talking about? Well, I was born in 62. Give it out right there. So mm. Okay, that's the, same as, that's the same as my dad. All right, just, that helps with uh, the timestamp, the dateline is the... You know, playing outside. I mean, yeah, I did too, but mm-hmm. just kind of wondering when you say playing outside, peanuts, books, and stuff. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Please continue. No, no, no. That's totally it. I think, uh, you know, growing up in those times was pretty important for shaping like what I was going to do and how I did it and how I ended up even like doing all oh, the game music and stuff that I did as well. But I have a lot of interests, a lot of different things I like to do. Probably the big turning point for me when it comes to books, because you mentioned that, was in my mm-hmm. reading, was I think it was in eighth grade or something. My brother bought me the box set, the old box set of the Lord of the Rings. I had the Hobbit in the front. I'm like, what is this stuff? He's like, it's fantasy. I've never heard of it before. I read the thing and I was so wrapped up in that because they called it Middle Earth and I just loved it so much. I'm like, well, well, wait, wait, is this like in the middle of the planet Earth right now? Because I'm like, I want to go there. (laughs) I'm like so, so bored with this place. That was a big turning point because that really um, inspired me. I loved just the fantasy and adventure, and I didn't even know what the genre was until then. Did you play yeah. tabletops at all back then? You were right on the next thing. kind of got into it just a little bit with my cousins. They all of a sudden had this D&D game, and I'm like, okay, what's this? Got into a little bit, played just for fun with them. The story connects and connects all this uh, all the time, because when I went to college in, in Madison, um, sorry, UW-Stevens Point here in Wisconsin, and I'd been there in my second year, and that's when Brian Raffle showed up there. He's studio head for Raven Software, so, and we met just friends. And somehow he saw I had this D&D thing and he was like, wait, what? No, I've heard about that too. And so and we talked about that a little bit and that triggered off to when we went to Madison together, we started playing D&D. D&D led to computer games that were like D&D. Black Crypt, Raven Software, Heretic, <laughs> Hexen. That's, that's how it all went down that line. What about musically? I mean, what, like, what records were you spending to the house? Were your, were your parents musically inclined at all? My dad was in barbershop. 
music, like no. a, quartet, a quartet and a choir. So, but it was pretty cool because he would he would do the singing. But other than that, they really weren't on into music back in those days. I was like nine years old, and kids took band instruments. That's just what you did. And so I played saxophone, picked it up when I was like nine years old, and got lessons. Played, loved that because I always wanted to play. I, I watched the band sit up on the stage. I'm like, wait, I don't like sitting down here. I just want to do that. I want to get up there doing that stuff. So played that and in high school got into a rock band played bass guitar and singer and all that just that was kind of like my niche i guess and in school i was a pretty good student i guess found out i was pretty good at music what and kind of rock what kind of music this would have been like classic rock of the 70s but it would have been pop stuff our, our band did that kind of thing so things like fog hat let's see frick derringer what else do we play we tried to play stuff that was going to be good for like dances dances mm. school dances and things like yeah. that there were other bands that were doing like heavier stuff, playing Led Zeppelin and The Who and, uh, and that kind of thing. But we we were trying to get some gigs and be actually paid for what we were doing. <laughs> uh, so fingers crossed, which we did. That was so much fun, and I knew I loved the music. I thought, man, if I could do one job for the rest of my life, this would be it: being in a band playing stuff like that. But I also had a pretty practical background. So even though I went off to college and I started in a couple things like other areas like communications and psychology, I didn't know what I was doing. But when I said I'm going to do music, then it kind of clicked in again. So I went to college and got a degree in saxophone performance, which is about as useless as it sounds. (laughs) All I'm hearing in my head is like, that is awesome when the saxophone factory opens up down the road you're sure to get it i could just i heard my dad but still i say i mean that's that's awesome but still that is funny <laughs> well it's it's kind of like it seemed like a good idea at the time because that's what i could do but you know it's not like you go in for a gig and they're like well let me see your resume you know <laughs> just like play the thing and if you can play really well which was dumb because i was kind of more classically minded and trained mm-hmm. i love to play music i had like no chops for doing improv or you know like i lived and stuff like that so i was not a good jazz player so if you're playing saxophone you better be good at jazz so that kind of blew up i never really played professionally or anything like that oh do you yeah. still play around with the saxophone at all sitting in the case has been for years Oh. <laughs> yeah okay. it'll come back so like what got you into doing composition the digital medium for composition because you were at that no man's land nobody knew what they were doing kind of the quote <laughs> hannibal later you know you're just fondling around like a virgin with a panty girdle <laughs> and yet here you are you're at the forefront composing for games so like what got you into this medium and you say you were friends with the guy from raven software or something was that kind of a was that pivotal was that a turning point for you or you know what got you into it yeah it was you're making a really good point like looking back now kind of in retrospect and i could see the time that we were doing this and how the field wasn't vast you know there were tons of game composers out there doing this kind of work and the technology was so you know new in a lot of ways and low but so remember i had this classical background i was trained actually I actually was a band director for a while. So I had nice. training. Yeah, I trained in, in like orchestration and conducting and things like that. So really broad field. I understood um, composition and all that kind of stuff. And I was teaching. And then, yeah, the guys from Raven, Brian and Steve Raffle, were working on the first game. They were doing Black Crypt. If you've ever heard of Black Crypt, it was an Amiga game. So, mm-hmm. But the idea was, well, they were just trying to figure out what to do didn't know necessarily and they just said well you're a music person what can you do we can can we figure something out so sat down and used a a mod player med yep. was the program okay so use that got some samples and i just sat down and did my very first composing with that just tried to make a like a opening song and something at the end for black crypt that was my first gig in that area and for me it was the first way of sort of translating all the music experience i had all the listening lots of music i've listened to and like but like how do you do this and make it sound cool on a computer and not sound like a computer so that was the first thing i did there was just doing that thing on the mod for black crypt so it was a tracker back then all of it was tracking programs if i were I, like i wasn't wide back then well i mean i was but i didn't know what a tracker was unless it was somebody that hunts someone else for money but so like <laughs> yeah. it was a tracker program that you were actually having to literally type in the note the octave that it's in and then you would have to put in all the little extra effects and stuff per line per note yeah that's it exactly i mean you need the music source so you have to get some sound of your own right and have that sample sound in there but after that it was like the piano roll thing became the thing i had to get used to so you where you had notes sitting there uh, with a piano kind of like keyboard on the side saying well here's the note you're using here's right. the length it's going to be it's going to go you know look yeah that's what crazy. i use 
is yeah. the piano roll, and I was just curious, like, so like for Black Crypt, what uh hardware were you using for that? Other than was it just an like did you just program on an Amiga? This is I am yep. so fascinated by that, and so I'm just curious, like, so when you did, because believe me, we'll get to Heretic, but like when you did Black Crypt, what did you use to compose for that game? It was on the Amiga, so Commodore Amiga, floppy disk, like three and a half inch loop, <laughs> pop it in. That's it. Just run it off. Of oh, it's just, <laughs> you, you have framed. You really don't understand. It's like Peter Cullen. You really don't understand the impact that you have had on people that you would never even meet in their entire life. You have no clue of how you've impacted people. I just like you just pop it in. <laughs> well, you know, it's like we had no money or anything. So it was a luxury. I think Steve Raffle maybe had a hard drive with his, with his Amiga, but we didn't have a hard drive. So back in those days, you put a program in and sometimes you had to pop that out, put the second disc in, uh-huh. keep, keep doing or playing a game if you've been through that stuff. So. Program would come up, you'd have the song, the pieces or the, I'm sorry, the instruments that you wanted to use. It's a long time since I used it, but it was just like popping them in and just like dragging, not even dragging. Like you said, you had to type everything in. It was like you were you know, literally writing computer music you know painstaking yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's almost like a mixture of writing code and i don't like i don't know music like daniel does or you do if, certainly yeah. but it sounds like you're writing code and writing music at the same time it, it kind of is, is. Yeah. like if, if you wanted to tweak things see i don't code so i come at it i'm a complete wild like if we're playing dnd i cast spells with charisma i have <laughs> no formal learning <laughs> of magic or music or anything like that but if you're using renoise and stuff you're more you can actually code the music in and would probably do a lot better than if you come at it from a musical standpoint that's why i'm so fascinated well you know as a saxophonist you pick up the instrument and you put your mouth on the thing and you blow i mean it's really your body and your you know your air everything's kind of it's really organic that's the word. So I sat down on a computer and I'm like, now I have to translate and get it so it doesn't sound like really sterile and just with no heart or soul into the thing. But so that for me was a big process to turn something that was really you know, organic and analog into something digital in a computer. And thankfully, with all my training, I understood the elements of music, you know, pitch, duration, timbre, instrumentation, and all those kinds of things. So I could make the translation, but I was like, constantly updating my own way of looking at this and saying, this is a new medium, make it musical, but figure out how these tools are going to allow you to do that and not sound like you're just a computer. What kind of atmospheres were you going for Black Crypt with it being a dark fantasy dungeon crawl? You know, one of those old school hardcore games. So like aesthetically, musically, like what were some of your inspirational cues that you could think of like when you were going for it? Is there anything in particular that might have inspired you with Black Crypt or, you know, how did that one come out? That's tough kind of the end of the question like people will ask like where your inspirations come from what are you inspired by and i thought about this before we're going to talk again because like for me unless i'm missing something i don't remember having any inspiration when it came to black crypt same thing when it came to um some of the other stuff i did for heretic and, and beyond that my goal was always to be original and not be like copying anybody else i think i triggered mostly off the sounds we were using we had grabbed some different sample sounds and one of the ones we have was this really low choir voice you know this ooh, that's what i heard first and then i just i think when i compose music i just hear what's missing and i know when i start with something what i want to have come next it just kind of fills in and builds in after that so i can't go back to black crypt and say that oh it was based on this or off of this kind of thing it was very original it's hard to phrase the question because i've had some people like it i don't listen i don't copy anybody it's all mine (laughs) and i'm just like Oh, come mm-hmm. on. Yes, you do. You can't <laughs> help it. You've grown up listening to it. It's in your soul. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, a lot of times aesthetically, I'm just curious because it depending on me, I mean, I just freaking admit it. If I'm if somebody throws a game at me, I was I had to score a cue one time for a, a slightly more higher fantasy style. So, you know, lots of colors and, you know, hard plated armor and stuff like that. Well, I knew I really wasn't going to go for like a Conan feel where you see a lot of exposed flesh and furry underwear and stuff. So that actually, you know, influenced (laughs) me. So I would maybe start listening to more Baroque style of music or things like that. Whereas if I'm going Conan, I'm going to go straight up Dorian key, Dorian mode, and I'm going to get hard and heavy and balls out and, you know, things like that. So I was just curious, like, if you could just remember, like, with Black Crip, you know, if there's a composer, his name is Rain, and he does uh, dark ambient stuff, and he actually has a cool term. I did it. I didn't realize that he called it that, but he makes, like, an inspiration map. And it's just a collage. And I've Mm -hmm. started doing that, where if you come out with an album, and I just start throwing album covers 
or movie covers, movie promos and stuff. I just start throwing it all over in this collage. And that becomes the inspiration map for this album or for this story, because then I can, you know, take pieces of it while I haven't really, you know, it's not like a blatant copy, but, you know, it's just like, this is what inspired me. So I was just curious. That's all. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of really, really smart things that are so true about somebody who needs to work with music. I think what I've kind of discovered is there's things within music that just work. And I don't even necessarily know why they work, but once you kind of discover they're doing that, they become the tools that you use to create what you want. So the games I've worked on and the ones I love are these really dark, dangerous, you know, atmospheric kinds, kinds of things. So where did I get that? Where do you get the impression from that from? So movies, maybe some of, you know, some of the scores and things you might have heard from that kind of stuff. But when it came to the tools of music, you know, like, you know, what sort of tonalities and um, chord structures or whatever things do you work with that create that feeling? When I'm creating or composing, I tended to work with instruments, so low strings. Everything is down in the low range for me. So, man, I honestly can't pick out like a good composer or somebody like that. Mm -hmm. I can remember sitting down and just like building off some of the little things that would come in and choir voices and then my part or whatever. And I'm like, it's just coming. It just sounds good to me. Well, there are specific Mm -hmm. flourishes because, yeah, because we're here now. I mean, we've already did Black Crip. What brought in Heritage? That's like your first credit listing on IMDb as a composer. So what was that like? That Did they come at it like hey we got a game and it's like doom but with D or did they already have a concept out for you or were you actually in there coding away in the back corner and they tugged the leash and pulled you over and said make music like how did that come about for you to do music for harris <laughs> it's <was> terrifying uh, <laughs> it took me a little while before i kind of made that jump in to doing this whole time the guys the guys from raven there uh brian and steve had finally gotten to the point where they could leave their regular jobs that they were doing and formed the company and they had just they had done some other games they called me up and said we're working on this thing this new game and there's this other game called doom and these guys from it that we know are doing this kind of thing and i'm like i thought he said dune d-u-n-e mm-hmm. so i'm like oh okay what is that but i went out to just see what they were doing it was a big jump i left my teaching job and i said okay i'm going to give this a shot and i remember showing up there to do work I had to bring my own computer because <laughs> uh, <laughs> money was tight. But I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to start making music. And it was weird. It was it was tough to, because sometimes you just jump in before you really know what you're doing. <laughs> Not to give away the story, but it's like that's kind of at least how it felt there. A lot of what you know, people know about Doom or Heretic, I think at now at the time, wasn't really obvious or anything like that. I mean, Doom had come out. Doom was out. So that was a success. And the technology was a success. So our opportunity at Raven there was to do a fantasy version of it with the same technology, that kind of thing. And I was going to do music for it under the same sort of like format that Doom was created as. So that was the model I had to work off of. So at least I had something to go off. So I got tucked in like a, a closet in the office there because there were, nobody had offices. It was for just a couple of people did. So I was in the closet and I had my computer set up. And really basic thing. I had a really basic tracking program. I think called it was like by Voyetra at first. I didn't even know how to how I was really going to do stuff at this level anymore because now we were making MIDI files, and that was right. a new thing for me too. I hadn't really had a lot of training in MIDI. I bought a poster, stuck it on the wall. I still got it somewhere. It's got all the MIDI, like put all the numbers and everything meant on it. It was like an <laughs> instructional poster. <laughs> still got it, but it was a lifesaver. And then I actually went out to kind of learn some of the some of the things I needed to know out in California because we're working with a company called SSI to make a game there, um, Cyclones. And I sat down with a couple of really nice guys and they just kind of like, I just took notes and I asked a lot of questions and said, how does this work? How is this going to go? And I got equipment lists together and I got an idea of what, what was really going into the game audio because I didn't even know I was going to do sound effects when I showed up, but they were like, yeah, you're going to do the sounds as well. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> all right how do i do that so but then came back and then you sit down in the room you're like okay go make some music for heritage and yeah, uh, just go make it <laughs> yep i mean the first things were getting together some of the equipment that i didn't have already so i still had that computer chose cubase as my professional level tracking program music tracking program and started working with that and then they get you like the latest sound card which is like a sound blaster I'm like okay here we go here are the instruments i got all 128 of these to work with and sit down and just like sit in the quiet of your you know if you've had to compose it's like the dead yeah. silence of, of like now what do i do a lot of process and things to go from there but i did have the example i think of doom at the time so i, so I was listening to what 
Doom had, what Bobby Prince created for Doom. And at least I knew that was the format idea I was going to follow. But obviously the tone of that was very space sci-fi kind of. It had a real driving guitar and stuff like that. And we knew we wanted to make something a little bit different. And we had some ideas. I knew what the monsters and creations were going to look like in some of the levels and things like that. And I'm like, this is dark. This is dungeony. This is the stuff I love. And I think, you know, I kind of had a soundtrack in my mind already before I was starting. The soundtrack is brilliant. Well, among the people that have influenced me my entire life musically, yeah, we could go all the way back from the He-Man intro theme, the mm. Transformers, then you go to Metallica, Bobby Prince, and then you. I mean, it's these stepping blocks that I could, I, I can honestly trace back everywhere I come from musically. Wow, look at it with Doom. Doom was Metallica. So Robert Prince, like whenever he composed all of that, you can definitely hear the Metallica. You can hear Slayer. You can hear the thrash elements. I compare Heretic to black metal. Your soundtrack, I mean, that's just, that's my spit. That talks to my spirit. Mm. And <laughs> you can hear, because it's black metal without the guitar and without the blast beat drum, but I can hear the full symphony behind. So I don't know if you've ever listened to black metal or if you've even heard of bands like Demu Borgir or Emperor to hear the synths in the background and stuff. That's what, like, the reason I love black metal now, I can guarantee you probably comes back from the countless ungodly hours I spent playing computer when I was a kid, especially Heretic and Doom. <laughs> but the soundtrack that you did for Heretic, yeah, it's very sweeping. You have different drives, like different tempo drives and stuff. Like you, It's almost just switched times, especially the Cathedral, where you actually, it's really cool. You start out with the keyboard, you start like with your organ, and then you go into this really cool bass lick that's almost like this offbeat, off tempo, or not off tempo, but just like this offbeat. And if we were drumming, you would use what they call a skank beat and mm. the way that you drive that home. But then like the very next song, you'll just have more of a sweeping grandiose strings in the background and stuff. So that's why I kind of keep asking like your inspirations for this. If it was, if you were specifically targeting maybe a Scandinavian style, or maybe if you were just trying to, maybe you would watch Conan. You'd be like, yeah, I like those horns and stuff and the way it just carried you. And then the drums come in on the next track. That's, I'm just I'm fascinated by the soundtrack, as you can tell, probably unhelpfully so. Fascinated <laughs> with the soundtrack and just how you scored it. So that's why I just keep asking. Oh man! <laughs> well, thanks very much. But man, it's hard to live up to that. So you t help me once. Tell me how. Um, what did you say? Like black metal? Yes. When did that come on? To would you say as a genre? Man, I am I am no scholar. I late 80s. Late 80s to early 90s. It originated like in Norway, at the Scandinavian side of the world. And it was just very lo-fi, often typified by a lot of satanic imagery, black and white. People would have their corpse paint like Kiss. But instead of being campy and neon in 70s, this was like black and white, heavily saturated pictures in graveyards, and they would just play guitar and drums, and really crappy production quality, really fast, real feral. As it evolved, it morphed into using that same style, but they would elaborate it with synths and keys in the backgrounds and stuff and start incorporating orchestral, more grandiose stylings of music. I'm just fascinated. Like, that's my favorite style of music is black metal. And then the offshoot that we call Dungeon Synth, which is like dark ambient aspects of it. Because a lot of those albums would come on, we would call it black metal intros before we knew what to call it. Most of these albums would come on with anywhere from a minute to a five minute long orchestral piece. But because of the time that it came out in the early 90s, a lot of it was MIDI or it was done with, you know, simple chord keyboards. And so it has that peculiar sound, that very same sound that you have inherited. I can tell you, we have actually, the Facebook group I'm in, the Dungeon Synth group, actually shared your soundtrack like two weeks ago. For God's sake, the album I just released a couple of months ago, I said, this is continuing my story, and it was directly inspired by Heretic, where I tried to specifically use MIDI instruments from that. It, I'm rambling on about the black metal, but that's why yeah. I'm curious, because... The styling, it's heavy metal. It derives from heavy metal, but it goes off in a more orchestral styling. I'm just curious because, of course, black metal is heavily inspired by paganism and like the Viking culture 
medieval Lord of the Rings. It just oozes. Lord of the Rings is like probably the biggest influence on there from the fantasy aspects of it. And of course, now, because of the generations coming up, like me included, a lot of that is in video game soundtracks. As I continue searching like the genesis of where these styles came from and stuff, yours is going to be one of the first games I look to. I was just curious, like the stylings that you use, if you had anything in particular with the heretic style, or if it was, you know, like I said, with Black Crypt, you just sat down and started writing. I mean, that in and of itself was fascinating. You know, I guess when it comes to like things like your inspiration, you're only going to be able to take something that you've been able to experience. So mm-hmm. black metal, whatever it's called at the time, the best I could think of is something like Black Sabbath or something like yeah. that. That was that was heavy. And actually, mm-hmm. I wasn't really into listening to that. I guess I kind of came up from like pop culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I listened to I loved a lot of the pop music from the 80s. I have no niche when it comes to music because I love classical music and symphonies. I like some jazz. I love pop music. I like folk music. I think because this was helpful for me because I had such a broad training and exposure to so many genres of music just because of education and learning how they worked and everything. So when I came in and started doing music for Heretics, whether I knew it or not, I had this like whole melting pot of ideas and experiences and things that were in my head. The experiences were there, whether I was tapping into them or not. I wasn't, if I, if I hit something like dark metal, it wasn't consciously because I didn't experience that, but it may be that what a dark metal or anything else uses is something out there that is shared no matter what. And musically, as you're making it, whether you go for it consciously or not, you hit it and you tap into it. I think what really makes music work works because it works. It's not because we figured it out. I think later on, we look back and we go, oh, look, that's how compositions work. And it's because of this. Like, no, it works because it just sounds right and works right for us. So when it when it comes to sitting down and composing, I didn't feel like I was consciously grabbing any one particular thing when it came to that. But I think I needed all of them to kind of come into play for me a little bit. My inspirations were the most bizarre things ever. And in fact, like I can remember, like I would listen to just like pop music and stuff. Like there was a band called Level, Level 42, I think it was. And I would just, when I had a blankness in my head, I would listen and I'd wait for a little musical motive would come out. It could be just like five, six notes or something like that. And I would hear that and I'd put it down. I'd do it on a piano and I'd listen to it. And then I'd go like, what comes next? That was always my thought. I was like, well, what's next? And then I'd play it, I'd hear it and I go, well, this is next. And I'd put that in and go from there. That's what I'm looking for. That's awesome. (laughs) That's yeah. uh, that's what I'm looking for. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing. I'm, and it's, it doesn't even have to be anything specific. It's yeah. just these little things that just ignite the muse and yeah. do that. And it just, yeah, of course, you're going to have like varied influences and stuff. It just when they were doing Heretic and then because not only Heretic, but your scores for Hexen and Heretic 2 and stuff, the technology gets better. And obviously you are growing, you are maturing as a poser throughout mm-hmm. this entire series but i was just curious like if they come at you with a game and said well we want it to sound like this or you know could you we like the sound but could you give us something like Hans zimmer meets slayer or something like that <laughs> something like what they call the the tagline or the elevator pitch that you do in hollywood when you have to pitch a movie where you oh, yeah. have to something meet something i was and like did the creators come at you with with that gimmick you know what going in at least the heretic there was like nothing and no one could tell me anything i was the only music person there i was the only audio person there as well so i don't remember anybody having like a like a lot of direction for me even when we we're making those games the levels weren't done so a lot of times you really had no idea what it was going to go into so when I was making them, I was never thinking, well, this is going to go in this swampy level. This will be in the dungeon. This will be a mountainous route, stuff like that. I was just trying to grab a vibe and a feeling that, to me, fit the whole game. You know, I could go in and move around and look at what we had built so far. I could kind of piggyback off of the general way that things worked in Doom and just kind of apply those things over for, for there. And then I was just trying to bring in my own sense of like, what does it mean to be in fantasy instead of space marines you know yeah. and so that's why little strings were coming in i love the little choir sounds and things just you won't hear flutes and a lot of the high right high strings or things like that uh, the kettle drums and things like that you know those were like because to me when i had the the mood of that game like heretic it's like you're punked down and kind of you know a conan feel to it you know just music that's what it all about what it really was all about for me and i think it's the power of the music is that it creates a mood for you and that's it the most important thing i'm trying to do you either or it either expresses your mood by, by saying, this is what I feel like right now. This is my song. Or I want to change my mood or make a mood for you. And this is what it should be. So that's what my goal was, is that 
this is the mood that I want everybody to have when they're running through hair, that kind of thing. And I would just remember one of the, like, here's another example of where I got an inspiration. I was like, I'd sometimes just sit down like this and I'd have no idea what I was going to do. You know, just dead silence. If you're a composer, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you just the blank canvas, you know, like no idea. And <laughs> so I was, I'd pop in CDs of the dumbest things, but I was listening to a soundtrack of a movie of, a movie called Toys with uh-huh. Robin Robin Williams. Yeah. And they have a song in there called At the Closing of the Year. And I love the song. And then if you listen to it now, you're gonna hear you'll hear this this drum thing, this boom, 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 boom. That was what I took. I took that idea. <laughs> you know, you played Heretic, you know where that goes. It was in uh it's the graveyard. Um, yeah. Oh my god, yeah it is. But my yeah, I had the name on it of at at the coming of the year was just my my clue to that but it was like just putting that into my into my uh tiffany and that went and then while i was listening to that and i heard this like the hunting horns had to come were coming in you know the, of the french horns coming in and stuff like yeah. that this may be a bit of an odd question it doesn't have to be heretic but has there ever been a situation where you couldn't quite come up with a sound effect and you kind of had to do something weird like daniel said before you record your car door and turn the gain up on it to make a cool sound or something like that. <laughs> the best drums, dude. I mean, my drums are made slamming car doors and microwave doors actually like um the origin of sound effects is pretty cool thing when you find out how like they make some of the, the things you hear in, in movies and stuff like putting dry ice on a symbol and things like that it's really amazing what the people what people think of that but so like yeah, when i had to sit down and do sound effects i had this sound effect library called the general some sound ideas it was like what was out there at the time so i'd search through that thing to find like creatures and you know organic things like that but every once i'd hit something like i didn't know what to do like uh, in hexen we had a thing where you use the um the spell and you freeze people right and i had yeah. no resource for that so i just like went to and put an ice tree in our on our freezer and stuff like that a couple ice trays and then just did the that was my introduction to doing foley work which I had never, I had no, you know, guidance on that either, but I'm like, well, this makes sense to me. So little by little, probably the biggest or funnest challenge and people ask me a lot about would be like the character voices that weren't like monsters that were growling or stuff like that. So it's like the the wizards and the disciples and the Ariziarchs and stuff like that. Like, what about the voices? Because when I saw them and I thought, well, these guys are going to have magical spell voices or something like that. That yeah. was a big, big challenge, but it was one of the most fun things. It took me a long time to like figure out what to do with that and develop a process for making their voices. Well, what were good. they whispering? Those uh, floating monks and hear like you're hearing like, oh yeah, like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. You didn't figure that out yet? No, I'm too busy playing the game and then getting inspired <laughs> because as soon as I play the game, it's like, Ooh, I like that riff. And then I start going and writing more music and I never get anything done. It's a constant <laughs> battle between playing games and then, not finishing albums because I go back and play the games again. No, seriously, what did they say? You got to follow what your what your groove is at the time. So what I wanted to do was have them say something backwards. But if you've heard the backwards stuff, like it sounds really like typical. Everybody knows what that is. It kind of goes yeah. back to like, you know, anything you hear backward has that fucking backwards sound, right? And it just mm-hmm. has no power or impact to it. But I wanted to make up some some different phrases and things that people when people play them forward they're like oh that's funny you know that was a, that was like a easter egg or something like that but the process i went through because they never sounded good to me when i just did my voice i wrote out a lot of phrases that were i thought would be fun I, I just recorded my voice speaking them doing them and then they all sounded weird backwards but what i realized is i couldn't just take them backwards i had to re-perform them so what i did was i i took what i was hearing backwards and performed it with my voice in a way that it was forward it had power and stuff at the beginning and sounded like you know an actual command or something like that they were saying and then i worked with a lot of effects on that so like the one guy the disciple voices like they end up saying things like the raven shall chew your flesh so you are an heretic oh let's see surrender to despair one of them destroy the heretic the raven shall chew your flesh i'll be dang succumb to us heretic so they said things that were i tried to get something into the game but if you can be proud of something you like sort of worked and figured out figuring out how to make those voices was like one of the yeah success stories for me anyway it took a long time so is is this like steady employment like uh, you're rolling in the big bucks you got big titted strippers after after heretic <laughs> stuff you know bottles of champagne you're like a rat video sitting there doing like that in slow motion with the gold front was it just steady income for you bridging the gap because you got heretic and then hex it comes out and stuff was it all so high intense and like every other month you're having to do stuff or was it just steady employment or what was that time period like 
there's so much to say about all this. We could sit there and talk a long time about this. I don't know if you've looked at the credit list I have for myself, but if you look at how tight the games were when they came out and how many we were doing each year, it's just crazy. That's not nothing you could do right now. Like right. so many different games, like just we, we spent maybe like nine months to create a game, something like that, something like a year. What was really cool was coming into the group of people that were working on Heretic at the time, because these people are really, really talented people. And many of them are still out there and they're, you know, veterans in the in the video game industry. But at the time, I think everybody was sort of on the same level. And that's a rarity to find in like any company or any group of people where you get the team together where everybody's got something to prove. Nobody's a star. And it's like, a you know, everybody has a position to play and everybody is cheering everybody else on and what they're going to do. And developing Heretic was like that. We were all pretty close around each other. It wasn't a huge bunch of people, but we had a high bar to hit with trying to get up to what Doom was going to look like. And what was so different and cool was I just remember times I'm, I'm in my closet, of course, but coming out and people are like, come on, come on, come on around. And um, awesome. Look, I got this new creature in. So we're going to go look at this new creature. I'm like, awesome, awesome. And like, hey, hey, you got your sounds on it now. Let's see what those sounds are like. We were constantly playing and testing and running through the game and playing our own levels and playing multiplayer all the time. And that generated so much enthusiasm, confidence, reassurance to us that we all needed because at that time it was tough. I can remember, I don't think it's a big thing to reveal. I can remember just being said, like, you know, you guys, we're going to get paid, but you might want to wait to cash your checks, (laughs) you know, a little bit yet or something like that. Nobody thought that we were in. So we really didn't know that this was going to be a success at all. So we're just shooting, shooting at and hoping like we can ride into them the coattails of Zoom. And it and stuff. So remember, it came out and it's like shareware or something like how they yeah. how they distributed. I wasn't privy to like what the numbers were looking like, how the success was coming. But all of a sudden, everyone's like, "It worked. You know, this is great. You know, it's a hit, and we're going to keep working. We're going to keep doing this." <laughs> so then we went on to make Heretic Two, uh-huh. which actually was what Hexen was called. Then we moved on from there. Still, I would say that environment of the perfect team, the perfect noble goal that we all had behind us was like the best work environment. I think I got had the privilege to work in, you know, and everybody was just so humble, you know, that's mm. such a rare thing to find. And now these people, you know, have a lot of pedigree and they can be proud of that stuff too. Are you but, guys still in contact at all? Yeah. I mean, there's, you follow through the history. I play like video games right now with Steve Raffle uh, <laughs> once a week. And let's see, there were a bunch of guys from the beginning who kind of splintered off when Riven got bought by Activision. They made mm-hmm. another, you know, human head. People are still connected, that kind of thing. A lot of people have just gone different ways. My style of people, I was born in 1980, so I was like the, I call my generation like we're that little middle generate that Nintendo generation, kind of like between 75 and 85. Oh, all right. Where, you know, just kind of a certain style, but you're also pretty much a superstar also because you were involved mm-hmm. in what many consider one of the best Star Wars games ever, which is the Jedi Knight Jedi Academy series. Now, you were in the sound department for that. What all did you have? To, how did that come about? How were you able to, other than the fact that, like, I made the music for Heretic. Now, if I run the company, I'm going to hire you immediately. It's like, you know what I mean? I'm making a waltz for blind kids. You know, if he made Heretic, we'll get him in here. I mean, I'm just curious, how did that come about? Yeah, I'm just looking back at the whole journey to get there, kind of at my credits and what I was working on during those times. So there's a pathway that leads there. Having it done Heretic, yeah, I went into Hexen, and my, my whole thing was Hexen is going to be the better Heretic. Songs went like to draw double, triple length, more expanded, that kind of thing. And then I was I did Necrodome, which was the kind of first Red Book audio game. Mage Slayer, another fantasy game. Then I'm, t- I'm doing Take No Prisoners in 97, but I'm a creative director on that. For the first time, I'm doing something besides just the music. <laughs> what was been, that like? Um, it was hard. Well, the thing, it was the hardest probably working year of my life, 97, because I was doing, let's see, we were doing Hexen 2. We were doing Take No Prisoners. I was on that game, creative director. And we were doing Mage Slayer. In my time, I was also run, uh, training to run a marathon. It was like the hardest God. time. But back then, you could still do your games like kind of on top of each other. But being creative director was because I always had an interest in doing something a little bit more. I have a lot of other background with teaching and other things like that. And I'm just a really organized person. So even though I have this creative side, I have a real structural side. I like to make documents. I like to organize things and, and stuff like that. So I kind of got back in, in at that time in the industry, people moved up into management and leadership positions from being in the ranks. We didn't hire a lot of straight out producers or directors because they I don't think they existed. We just took people with experience and did that. So, and then just before that, I did the the Star Trek Elite Force stuff in 2000. 
And that was pretty much the end of my composition career. It really ended there. So the next thing was Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. And I and Steve, we got asked to be the co-leads, project leads on this thing. Just from the time that we'd been there, I think, the experience. I don't really have to ask somebody else why we got picked. <laughs> why I got that job, but it was fantastic. I didn't get to do music anymore, of course, because it's Star Wars music. So you work with some of the people from LucasArts. They have their guys who do that. And same thing with sound effects. We had some, they had a guy working on that stuff. I think we might have done just a couple of things. But all of a sudden, it was the first time I was like, I'm not going to be the major creator here. I think I work with a lot of the VO and stuff like that in the game, but I was running the project and communicating with the team, managing the team, all that kind of stuff like that, and bringing that project all the way through to the end with Steve. He was very creative excited. I was more of the administrative and guidance. And then huge experience because everyone was waiting for a new Star Wars game to come out. We had some really incredible people who were developing the, uh, the laser lightsaber stuff techniques how lightsaber is going to work and everything and you know you could tell pretty quickly it was going to be a huge hit at least we're doing things right so for me it was a little bit bittersweet because all of a sudden i'm like man where's the music they don't want me to do and it's kind of like showed me where things were moving anyway because on a big game like this hollywood style game they want big name composers or they're we're, we're going to use john williams music we don't care right. about kevin shoulders music for this game anymore and that was kind of the beginning of beginning of the end because after that, it went on to other games. You know, our leadership is coming out of Hollywood areas and, and Activision and everything. And it's like, when it came to who's going to do the music, it's like, well, what name people do we know? Your website kind of helps fill in the gaps where INDB, <laughs> a big shocker here, doesn't yeah. fill in quite everything. But I saw, like, you were the audio lead for Quake 4. I mean, that's pretty badass. That was a big deal when Quake came out. I happened to enjoy Quake 4, but that was a 360 launch title, or it mm -hmm. was a pretty darn close to launch title, if I remember right. But I remember that was, it might have actually been a launch title. But, like, for you to be involved in that, I mean, that, the license properties, like the Star Wars, uh, that's really cool. I mean, that's like a resume enhancer. But, yeah, you're going to be using John Williams score. I mean, that's beautiful because it's already been done. So all you got to do is just chop it up, slap it on the timeline, call it a day. But Quake 4 being the audio department lead, it even says, you know, you did some sound effects and stuff. What all was involved with that? Yeah, I was the only audio guy for years, actually. And I didn't start hiring anybody until 90s, 97 or something like that. And so I that was a new role for me too. They're like, well, now you're going to manage people as well in this department, which, you know, I'd manage kids and people in school and stuff like that. So it kind of moved me back away from the hands-on part of doing the art, doing the music thing and, the, and sound effects. Sound effects, you get a little bit more chance to jump into, but music takes you out of, for me to do music, I need to be in the room. I need to be quiet. I need to be blocked off from everybody. So, but, <laughs> but I knew I wanted to be valuable to the studio and I wanted to have I guess a feature. I wanted to like right. do what I always wanted to do whatever I could to help the studio do well and on our game. And as you grew in experience as well as in skills and music and, and sound, I, I knew more about game. And so people let me have a chance to go ahead and try and like be in charge of something. So I you know there's another sound designer that Quarles was working on like the Quake 4 stuff. But now I was going in and looking what he was doing or another person was doing. We're talking and collaborating and I'm kind of managing and keeping that together. And I was like, project administrator for a while on there, just logistics and organization and stuff like that. And that's kind of where my role moved out of there was in Marvel stuff, X-Men, Wolfstein, all that. I'm not getting to compose anymore. So it was good and it was always challenging and rewarding to keep contributing to the studio in that way. But that game yeah. aged well. My son, I've raised him. We played all the old school stuff and stuff, you know, just new stuff. But I've made sure that he understands and appreciates the old stuff so much. He's a big retro head. So he was actually running through Quake 4 for the first time on 360 last year. And I hadn't seen it in forever. It has actually aged incredibly well. So anybody listening to this, think you remember like Quake, it's like I need to finish that game or play that again. You ought to. It really has aged well. But I do remember commenting that just certain sound effects that the shotgun, that is one of the most important, crucial aspects of a first person shooter is that shotgun has to feel good when you shoot it. And the shotgun is very satisfying in Quake 4. Like mm -hmm. even my son was like, man, his shotgun's very satisfying when you shoot it. And I, <laughs> I remember us having that conversation. So whatever your involvement in Quake 4, like if you were in the sound design department, that you did a good job with that one. 
I wish I could take more credit for that one, but there were other people involved in working on that at that time because it's involved. That's their baby. And uh-huh. it's hard, hard to remember exactly everybody who was working on it, but uh, on right. our side, we have that Quarles was working on it. You know, I think it's one of the biggest cool things I've heard recently. I didn't know, you know, you get out of the game business because I was laid off back in 10 years or more ago and you mm-hmm. kind of lost kind of connection with it. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody like, I'm still playing Heretic. I'm still playing Hex. And I was like, what? Really? Or, or <laughs> Dude, you I played it two months ago, played um, it over the holidays. And that just blew my mind. Because what you learned, or what I remember happening to us as we're developing games, is always you get done with this thing and you're like, that's done. That is yesterday's news. So the programmers always wanted to start brand new code. We, we had to push them to the next, the computer's like, give us the next chips, give us, you know, move it up. Our challenge was always to like move your art or your skill up to the next level. And the message you get is, what have you done for me lately? That game, yeah, that was cool, but it's done now. It's over and you can't hang your hat on that thing anymore. So my impression leaving is like, that's it. Those things are old school and everybody looks at them and go, yeah, 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 that's just, that's just old stuff. Nobody's impressed by it anymore because it seems like in the game industry, the impressed thing moved from like tech and like these elaborate cinematics and movies and perfect realism of everything. It's like they're moving towards trying to create a movie real life experience. And Heretic, Hexen, those games never touch that. But what I, I love learning is that that's not what makes them fun. That's not what makes them memorable. It's like it doesn't have to be perfect, up-to-date tech. We created something that still, like you said, stands the test of time. Some of those games are still solid, you know, no matter what you're playing on or what the tech looks like. The experience is it's still awesome. Do you guys ever play Heretic 2? That's my, like, yeah. that saddest baby is, like, how awesome that game was. It was actually oh, yeah. maybe one of the my favorite sort of soundtracks that I worked on was that one. And I realized tons of people never even got to hear it or see it or play it. So. It, it didn't get... It didn't get much of a splash. I didn't even know it had come out. My little brother actually had, because I was playing Heretic. Let's see if I can look. All right, on your website, let's see. Heretic was 94. I'd have been 14. That mm-hmm. means my brother would have been six. He was playing Doom and Heretic when I wasn't. He was sitting right beside me. And then I would you know, get up and go do whatever. And he would sit there and he was playing also. Anyway, mm-hmm. he ended up getting, he had Heretic too. And I didn't even know it had come out. And he was like, dude, have you played it? I was like, uh-uh. He was like, check it out. And, you know, so let's see, 98, yeah, out of an 18. I wasn't living at the house anymore at that time, but I had happened to come by and he was playing it. And he showed it to me. So, yeah, we actually played it. And, it, and my brother was like, this game's awesome. Yeah, I actually read something where they said it's kind of rare to even be able to find it just because it didn't sell a ton of copies. So they aren't circulating all over the place. But that was a great game. People just didn't know what to do with that with third person. A lot of people, it was like a big uproar, right, to go from right. that genre. But if you play Heretic 2 and then you go play Jedi Knight, you see what happened, right? You see what's there. What you saw in Jedi Knight came from Heretic 2. I think um, our guy, like Mike Gummel, was a programmer, and he was sitting there just working on the. I think he may have done both, but he certainly did the stuff in Jedi Knight. You know, that was the predecessor to the to the thing. And I love the music, so, or the soundtrack for that. Kevin, you said that 97 was the most professionally difficult year of your career. If you had to pick one project over your entire career that was the most challenging, one maybe you lost sleep over, what would it be? Man. Um, <laughs> you know what? There's challenging in different ways. There were some that were just maddening, like Necrodome was just maddening to me. <laughs> for some reason, it went on and on and on and on for years. And the same problems kept coming up in every meeting and they were never getting solved. Wolfenstein dragged its feet like that, too, again. So some of those are really hard to do. That's um, a shame. I love that game. Yeah, no, I mean, the game game is very cool and all that. It's sort of like the, what experience do you have going through trying to make the thing go out the door? Right. Um, <laughs> Singularity, too, that was like, had a great start and thrashed back and forth because there was a lot of second guessing about how it was actually supposed to be made and how it should go. I think that doing Hexen was probably, for me, the most important, probably the most important game I had to do because it's one thing to come out with a hit, like Heretic. But, you know, if you do that in music, too, what is your second album going to be? Right. The follow-up. <laughs> The pressure is ridiculous, right? People just sometimes crash and burn on that, trying to ever do that again. That's what makes or breaks a lot of musicians or bands. So there you go. Now Hexen comes in, I'm like, and they were going, okay, now we know the maps ahead of time. So we want a swamp area. We want this and that. And like, oh, God. Like, how am I supposed to like do this kind of thing for it? But I felt a lot of responsibility to Hexen now because there were actually people who liked Heretic and they were waiting for this one now. 
So I think that was the probably the challenging one to kind of have to do and fret about like, can I do it again? Am I a one hit wonder? It's still there somewhere. But well, the answer yes. is no. Even yeah, the answer is no, but so, even if it was, so what? That's one hell of a one hit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, I guess. And you don't know it at the time. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah. like, yeah, you live long enough and people start to tell you that thing you did back then, that was really cool. So, what have you been keeping yourself with, keeping yourself busy with? You say you got laid off, whatever, like 10 or so yeah. years back and stuff. So, I mean, what yeah. are you still in the business? Still, like, on the audio side of things or what? You know, it's kind of like the thing with the band. Like, when I was in a rock band, Love that band, love the guys I was with, and we had a way to like gel. If you've been in a great band where you're with good, good people, it's like you just the best thing in the world. But then that band breaks up or you whatever, and you go back and like, let's start another one. And you have new people and you're trying to figure it out, and it, it never does like work out. So you can get, I couldn't get the band back together. So yeah, when the studio went through a lot of changes, we had two layer, two sections of layoffs, a lot of people, and all of a sudden I was out of my spot pretty tragic because i'm like okay this is what i do and i'm in wisconsin and i'm at this age i don't want to like go off to a whole different part of the country or the world necessarily to do this so certainly not la (laughs) (laughs) no no actually there was a moment where somebody offered said oh there's this thing open that i think lucas starts in san francisco and i was like ah like dang i i know and then like a couple months later, they shuttered the place or something like that. So, um, <clears throat> so I'm glad, glad I didn't do that. Yeah, good call. Yeah, um, man. Not to like make a sob story, but man, it was, it was tough because I looked back and I realized we had people outside who were who had also gotten laid off. And you, we tried to regroup, tried a number of different times, different ways, a bunch of things over the years to try and either do some music or just get back in the game stuff. And nothing ever really clicked. Not really. Yeah. So I'm grateful that for the times I had and the, and the the career that I was able to do. But like a lot of people, sometimes you just don't get back into that. Maybe I still will. Maybe it's still coming. <laughs> I do have a question I like to ask everybody because you never know what they're going to say. And it's kind of a side off here. But have you yeah. ever had an experience that you would consider supernatural or paranormal? Supernatural or paranormal. Man. I had, I love that stuff. I mean, I, I I know what you guys are like kind of focusing on. Monsters, Madness, and Magic. It's like, yeah, that's been my interest in reading and uh, movies and stuff. Love like Stranger Things. And that's the kind of stuff I love to speculate about. I would say for me, it's more like people showing up where it's like this person is in their spot at the weirdest time. A buddy of mine, we're like way up in some woods someplace and we got our car stuck like on a reservation, which is not a good place. We're like, we're, we're done. We're just not going to move here. And this big hauling trip, like huge flatbed pulls up out of nowhere. And this guy like talks to us a little bit, pulls the car out and just takes off. And I'm like, those quote unquote Whoa. coincidences, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So those kinds of things. Hey, that counts. I've just about squeezed all the little tidbit information out <laughs> I can get. I've got one for you. What's your favorite band? your favorite style of music i mean you can name me top five let's say you're stranded on a desert island what's your desert island album oh man group i really got into i guess still comes to my mind is the older genesis back in high school that a buddy of mine in in our band just like you guys listen to this stuff and i'd never listened to it before not the new stuff from like i can't can't dance whatever like that but all the stuff before with peter gabriel so then Uh i love peter Peter gabriel kind of like a really good cerebral kind of music i think because i was trained classically when I listen to music, I love the feeling of it, but I also listen intellectually. So I'm always hearing stuff. So that's why like, I like Rush. This is smart music. This is really technical and talented. You know, when I want my head to really be in on that, I love that. A lot of classical stuff. But probably my other favorite thing is just like one hit wonders from the 80s. From <laughs> like when M- when MTV came out and some of those, any of those one hit wonders were like awesome. One other good band. Oh, Kiss was the first band I really loved and went to see in concert here in, in Milwaukee. Well, yeah. they've got their seven. 17th final tour coming up if you want to catch them one last time that's amazing right (laughs) man to do that job for that long (laughs) well kevin we don't want to keep you all evening here but i guess just to put a bow on everything what's on the horizon for you you know you got anything in the pipeline you know what i do right now isn't isn't as anything uh exciting as that i do like some transcription work which is me listening to audio and typing out i might like to like write something someday because i love things like the horror genre and stuff like that as well. I don't know. It's really hard to come back and want to do the music stuff again, but it would be really cool to have that opportunity. So I'm just going to take it one day at a time and see where things kind of go from here. You, sir, are, I say you're royalty, but that's just because I am a hopelessly romantic, just starstruck kid because to tell you 
have influenced so much of my career and what I do ever since I was playing Heretic back when I was a little kid. So I just have to say thank you because, like I said, if I trace the timeline from He-Man and then watch Conan and the Transformers and then all of a sudden I play Doom, listening to Metallica at that impressionable age, and then I had gotten into playing Dungeons and Dragons and then heretic for what it did to me musically i mean i'm here because of that i make move i've been trying to make movie scores i make you know trailer music trailer scores and haunted house music and stuff but also make like dark ambient make black metal all kinds of things like my biggest project is called saragost which i got the name from lord of the rings one of the biggest influences is I actually credit you in the albums of Jeez. whenever writing <laughs> is yeah because of Heretic I wrote this the way I do it is kind of like it's basically just the musical soundtrack for Dungeons and Dragons adventures I wrote as a kid and so I emulate a lot of your style what I would interpret as your style playing Heretic come to find out we fast forward a few years later it's like there was a an artist I had listened to among other black metalists but there's a guy who did dark ambient stuff his name is mortis he used to play bass for emperor and then he went off and did his own thing he calls it dark dungeon music which is nobody knew what to call it until now we call it dungeon synth the best way i can describe it is black metal without the guitar and most of the time without the drums but it's rooted in a darker aesthetic a lot of times dark fantasy we shun i say we because i mean it's the style of music i most prominently make now but we shun a lot of the modern conventions and stuff we like the old ways. It's a lot of our taglines are that, you know, embracing the old ways. We uh, hail to the old ways and the old masters. We like using older scents. We like recording the tape. We like recording the tape and then selling the tapes. I've made more money in music selling tapes, cassette tapes, than anything. But I say all this to say that you are actually, you're, pretty, you're a celebrity. Like I said, in our <laughs> Facebook group, our Dungeons group, we post your music quite frequently. Whenever I release an album, as Saragoss, I'll release some, sometimes it's more darker oriented. So, you know, I'll even include some black metal music stuff. And then sometimes it's more of a fantasy soundtrack stuff. But generally, when I come out with an album, somewhere or another in these comment threads, either I'm saying it or somebody else is going to post something from Heretic or something from Hexen. There's a Facebook group that whenever we get done tonight, I'm immediately going to pop on there and be like, eh, <laughs> I got to talk to you. And of course, there's going to be a lot of surprise faces and surprise emojis that I actually get to speak. Like you, you have influenced a lot of people. And I'm sure, I mean, we're just a smaller niche genre anyway. Just know that how much it's funny how, you know, some people would never know just how much impact that they have. Like Peter Cullen had no clue what he did as Optimus Prime until years later to find out he's basically a father figure to my generation. <laughs> and you, you are like a celebrity in the dungeon sense scene. Just so you know, it may never even come out because trust me, we're all very introverted anyway. It's not like we have <laughs> friends and high five. Yeah. Stuff like, you know, it's like, we're all very introverted, but your name will come up in forum boards and it'll, in all pro boards and even in Facebook groups and stuff. So just know that, that, I mean, if any of these soundtracks and stuff that you wonder if it's ever made a difference or not, hey, yeah, it does. It lives on. Thanks, Dan. Man, yeah, imposter syndrome. That's what I feel like. I, no, that's I, what I feel like. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if I could do it, you can do it. Anybody could do it because I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it all works. When, I, don't, I think it's like it's the right combination or something like yeah. that at the time. I, all I wanted to do was try and do something original and something that felt right. And you, The first thing I did when I tried to compose was try too hard. And then I just pulled back and I was like, this. I just rolled like something crazy and I like, stop. Music works. It's going to be going to come from inside you it's going to come from just what feels right just go i guess I, I got exposed to a lot of different things and then just at the right moment at the right time i was i was there to be able to do something like that people have asked me this before and I, sometimes i just feel like i don't even know what to say i don't know i don't have any like great wise words about how smart i how smart i was to compose a certain way but, but thank you thanks for saying so and i'm just you know if you can do something original world and leave it to people that's awesome that's a great feeling Somebody like i like that i want to do that too or something like it Take it from yeah. there. Go. <laughs> like you say, you know, starting from a blank slate and then you move on to stuff. Well, you know, or you got yeah. like that stepping stone, that one step up where you came from and stuff. So like for me, if I'm, you know, sitting down and there's absolutely nothing and I've been throwing out ideas and it's getting all complex and stuff, I just stand up, go over and I play. I'd like, seriously, I just go over and I play Heretic. Mm. Anytime if I ever have writer's block, I'll either pop in Doom or Heretic. And that's, that's where I'm going to go and Divergent. And I'm either going to go the heavier side or I'll even, you know, Marty even 
go into more black metal and stuff. But generally, like if I'm at writer's block, I just pop in Heretic. At the end of the day, thank you so much. Thank you for the compliment. I mean, that's a huge, huge compliment to hear. Yeah, I've chewed your ear off now for entirely <laughs> too long what we normally do. But uh, yeah, just wanted to, like, if you had anything going or if you had any websites or whatever, you can, you're always welcome to shill them. You're always welcome here. I mean, oh. hell, we can come and talk about just, you know, if you want to talk movies or something. <laughs> you have a seat at the table as long as I'm at the table. So, Well, I've got a website out there. And one of the things I tried to at least put on it is like, if you want to talk to me, talk to me. I love it when people just send, send a message to me, send an email to me or something like that. I feel pretty humble and pretty grateful for what I've been able to do. And when people ask me, how'd you do this? How does this happen? Whatever you do, how can I do this? Do you have any advice? Please talk to me or whatever it it does me good like at my stage in life or whatever to like hear from people who are like still love something i worked on a while ago and that it means something in their life too so that's a huge that's the best compliment that you left something cool to the world so. right right <laughs> and you certainly yeah. did thank you thank you guys Absolutely. well kevin you have a good night man it's been a pleasure talking to you you too thanks so much for inviting me appreciate it all right folks that's a wrap i hope you enjoyed that chat with kevin as always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back next time. Monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon Crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.